everybody, what is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. We're back with hopefully our last recorded from home snow day episode. And today we're talking about Genesis 30. What does it look like to trust in the Lord when we know the thing we want the most may never come? As a single person, when I read Genesis 30, the story, it can be hard for me to relate. I don't know what it's like to struggle with infertility, but I do know what it's like to really want something that may or may not ever show up. And I'd go out on a limb and guess all of us, regardless of what life stage we're in, know what it's like to wait in the face of uncertainty. Maybe you've waited on a family member with cancer to recover, wondering if they ever will. Or maybe you're single and you've wondered if you'll ever get married. It's not promised. All of us have experienced seasons where we have to wait on the Lord in the face of an uncertain outcome. And if you haven't yet, I bet one day you will. So the question is, when it's easy to let anxiety or the disappointment of mixed expectations take over the driver's seat of our lives, how can we instead remain grounded, tethered to the truth that God is good and His ways are best? In Genesis 30, we see Rachel pleading with God amidst the disappointment and uncertainty surrounding her seemingly inability to conceive a child. In the midst of waiting, she turns to other means to try to manipulate her desires into existence, but in doing so, she operates outside of God's design for family. One commentator sets up the story like this. Rachel's reaction to her barrenness and Jacob's response contrast with how Rebecca and Isaac and Sarah and Abraham behaved in similar circumstances. Sarah resorted to a custom acceptable in her culture, though contrary to God's will, to secure an heir for Abraham. Isaac prayed that God would open Rebecca's womb and waited. Rachel and Jacob followed the example of Sarah and Abraham. The conflict between Rachel and Leah focuses on love and motherhood. Rachel had Jacob's love, but she could not become a mother. Conversely, Leah was the mother of Jacob's children, but she could not win his love. Let me read that again. The conflict between Rachel and Leah focuses on love and motherhood. Rachel had Jacob's love, but she could not become a mother. Conversely, Leah was the mother of Jacob's children, but she could not win his love. The commentator concludes. Today's Devo was written by one of our members, Marissa, and here's what she wrote. This part of Genesis is wrought with complicated family dynamics in a cultural context very different from our own. However, the comparison, jealousy, and manipulation of circumstances is easily relatable, isn't it? Let's take a look at Rachel's journey up to this point. She's Laban's beautiful daughter who is loved and desired more by Jacob than her sister Leah the proper choice for a wife based on the customs of the time. God sees Leah as the undesired wife and opens her womb, while Rachel doesn't conceive. Rachel sees her sister's good fortune, desires it for herself, and takes control through acts of manipulation and bribery. Six children and some mandrakes later, Rachel still hasn't born children of her own. Which, by the way, a mandrake is a plant with purple flowers and really long roots that was believed to help with fertility. Marissa continues, Throughout Genesis, we see repeated examples of the original sin in the garden. Eve saw, Eve desired, Eve took. Rachel's envy drove her to a point of despair so deep that she would rather die than not bear children. 
She desired the benefits that came with children more than she desired to wait on the Lord. So she ran ahead of God with her own plan to secure her family line. I always marvel at the crazy twists and turns of this story and how God allows sons to be born to Jacob from four different women that later, or then, make up the twelve tribes of Israel. God remembers Rachel when he chooses, and he cannot be manipulated or controlled. When she experienced the shattered dreams that allowed her to see her sin and appreciate the Lord's blessing, then the Lord's blessing came about. He's about His glory coming forth in our lives, however that plays out. And Marissa writes, While I, as a single person, cannot relate to the pain that comes from infertility, I can certainly understand the struggle of waiting for something that may or may not arrive. I read the story and find comfort in the knowledge that we serve a good God who can use the results of any decision we make for our good in His glory, she concludes. And I think she makes a great point. Regardless of what season we're in, we can all relate to the feeling of desperation that occurs when we have to wait for something that may never come. And the question is whether or not we act out of that deep longing. I think it's important we all ask ourselves, when was the last time we acted out of despair or deep longing? Were there any consequences experienced from those actions? And then, as Marissa asks in her Devo, When was the last time you waited for the Lord for something? What scripture encouraged you during that time? A verse that has encouraged me is Psalm 34, 18, which says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I don't know what you're walking through today, but I'm confident the Lord wants to draw near to you. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.